day that the Lord has made, and we should rejoice and be glad in it. It is one of the more popular verses in all of Scripture. There's many popular verses in Scripture, and I'm sure if we went around the room, everybody in here could name two, three, five, six, ten of their favorite verses in Scripture. Um, personally, I like Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I like Psalm 48, 1. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. I like Psalm 133. Oh, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I, I like Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. This is just my favorite. I like Psalm 122. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I even like Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. It says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. And most of the time I've learned that people don't quote that right, because I think everybody knows it. It says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. And what's next after that? Yeah, see, most of us say it that way, but if you, if you read it carefully, there's a question mark on the end of that. So it really is supposed to be read, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Then you pause and say, from whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So we, we've been quoting it kind of wrong all these years. Uh, but that, that little question mark makes a difference in that text. I, I, like, I like a lot of different verses. And, and if you spent just a little bit of time in church, you have heard and quoted and maybe even shouted somewhere uh, to some of these verses and more. But sometimes, every now and then, um, some of these verses that have become so familiar in terms of how often we quote them, we can often miss the deeper meaning. Um, we can sometimes miss the context from which these verses come. And so Psalm 118.24 is no different. We've all heard it over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to try to explain it to you and then get myself on back up to West Philip. Now, there are different kinds of psalms. There are didactic psalms. These are instructional psalms. These are the ones that teach you something like Psalm 119, where every verse, that's the longest chapter in the Bible, but every verse says something about the Word of God. That's instructional. Then you have messianic psalms. These are uh, prophecies about the coming Messiah, like Psalm 2 or 22 or Psalm 110. Or you have what we call imprecatory psalms. These are the ones that ask God to punish wicked folk like Psalm 3. And then you have penitential psalms. These psalms express feelings of repentance and forgiveness, like David would say in Psalm 51. Or you have psalms of lament. These, these are psalms where the individual is crying or is expressing concern in desperate and dire circumstances, like a Psalm 44. But then there are what we call Hallel psalms, where we get the word hallelujah. Uh, these are praise psalms of thanksgiving, and Psalm 118 is a psalm of thanksgiving. Now, the thanksgiving psalms usually express praise to God mainly because of the fact that God is just good. Now, we know that of the 150 psalms, David wrote about 73 of them. Moses wrote one of them, Psalm 90. Korah and his sons wrote about 11 of them. Solomon wrote two. Asaph wrote 12. And the rest, including Psalm 118, we have no idea who actually wrote it. But when you read it, 
you start to see the context of the verse. These psalms were sung by the Jewish people during their annual festivals and especially as a part of the Passover meal experiences. So there's language in the psalm that kind of link it to Israel's exodus from Egypt and how God delivered them from Pharaoh and slavery. The entire psalm seems to commemorate God's decisive victory over the enemies of his people. The Lord has triumphed over his enemies, so they couldn't help but worship and praise God for the victory that they had experienced. So the tone of the psalm is that of joy and trust in the Lord, and you get the feel when you're reading the psalm of God's people entering into the temple and worshiping God together. You'll see that in verses 2 and 4. And you start to feel that the writer is celebrating the Lord's steadfast love, his deliverance from death, and his ongoing his ongoing protection and care for his people. You'll see that in verses 5 to 18. Even Jesus himself himself once spoke about this psalm when he said that he had been rejected by his own people and that even though he had himself been rejected, even though he was the stone that the builders rejected, verses 22 and 23, that he is now the chief cornerstone by which all other stones are aligned. So the people of God in this psalm were declaring in their worship that they remember and celebrate, here it is, this day. Because it's the day that the Lord defeated their enemies. Are y'all listening? So there were days when they were in distress, verse 5. There were days when they were threatened by other human beings, verse 6. There were days when they couldn't trust human beings, verses 8 and 9. There were days when they were surrounded by other nations, verse 10. And there were days even when they were severely chastened by the Lord himself, verse 18. And I don't know if there's anybody in here today that ever felt like that. Everywhere you turn just seems to be a mess. Everywhere you go, there seems to be some foolishness. Maybe I'm in here by myself, but everywhere you go. If it ain't one thing, it's true. Can't get ahead to save your life. You can't trust people. Everybody seems to be crazy today. Maybe not down here in Delaware, but in Philly where I'm from, everybody seems to have lost their mind. People shooting indiscriminately into crowds and kids with weapons that the police don't even have. You can't go to a graduation party, a cookout, a playground without some nut firing a weapon out there. Scared to leave your own house. And nowadays every time somebody coughs or knees, we all got to give him the COVID look. It's just a mess. God's people had been going through some rough days and some rough seasons. But no matter what they went through, they understood that it was nobody but the Lord who took care of them and saw them through. Uh, matter of fact, you'll see it if you read uh, verses 5 to 9. It says, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord, listen to this, he answered me and set me in a broad place. With the Lord on my side, I do not fear. What can mortals do to me? The Lord is on my side to help me. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in mortal people. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in princes slash politicians. And so they celebrated, they worship, and they praise God because they remembered what the Lord had brought them through. And sometimes, you know, that's just what you're going to have to learn how to do. 
Sometimes it's what you got to do. When nothing seems to be going right, you got to remember what you already came through. Sometimes I think we forget where the Lord has brought us from. You got to remember when the Lord came to your rescue because you could not rescue yourself. You got to remember how the Lord got you out of the mess that you yourself created. You got to remember that you are where you are today because the Lord has been watching out for you. I wish I had some people that understood that God has been holding you in the very hollow of, your hand, of his hand. Now, remember his word. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And, and, and as I stand here today, I have messed up many, many times in my life. But I can testify that even though I have messed up many times in my life, he has never failed me yet. This is the day. Now, that word uh, day is a very interesting word in the text. It's so, it's so familiar that we probably would skip over it. The word day is the word in Hebrew, yom, Y-O-M. Um, and yom means not just a day, but it really could mean a number of days. Yom could, could also mean some time. Yom could mean on the same day, and Yom could also be translated at present or right now. Y'all with me? Um, you, you hear of Yom normally at a certain time of year where people start talking about a Jewish holiday, Yom Kippur. Um, Kippur just means atonement or covering for sin, so it's, it, it's, it's the day, it's the season, it's the time that we reflect upon uh, how God covered our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. All right, so Yom expresses a point in time. It expresses a sphere of time. It can be 24 hours. It can be a specific point in time. It could be three hours. It could be a year. It could be years. So when the Bible says day, it can mean an actual day, but it's not limited to one day because it can also mean a season. In other words, this is the day. These are the days. This is the season that the Lord, are y'all still with me? That the Lord, now let me move you into what Lord actually means. It's the word Jehovah. I love Jehovah. It, it's Yahweh, the self-existent one, the great I am. He who exists by his own power, independent of anything or anybody outside of himself. He who was before the beginning and he who will continue to be after the end is finished. He who keeps covenant with his people. He who is in relationship with his children. He who never sleeps nor slumbers. Jehovah, the one true and living God who was, is, and always shall be. St. Augustine said he, that, that this guy, this, this person, this, this being, this, this person that we all know and love who is watching over us and keeping us, he says that he, God, has this ambidextrous nature about him. That, that means that God is always hidden, but he's always present. He's, he suffers no change, but he changes all things. He's always in action, but he's ever at rest. He gathers all things, but he don't need nothing. He, he recovers 
lose what he never actually lost. He's jealous, but he's free from care. He's not greedy, but he does demand his dividends. He, he owes man nothing, but he pays us like he's in debt. He is the Lord. He is the one and only one living and true God, an infinite and intelligent spirit whose name is Jehovah. He is the maker, the supreme ruler of heaven and earth, inexpressibly glorious in holiness and worthy of all possible honor, confidence, and love. And in the unity of the Godhead, there are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, equal in every divine perfection and executing distinct but harmonious offices in the great work of redemption. I need to tell somebody that God is immutable in essence. God is perfect, and therefore, he is subject to no mutations. God and only God can declare that I am God and I change not. There was never a time when God was not, and there will never come a time when God will cease to be. God cannot change for the better because he's already perfect, and therefore, improvement or deterioration is totally impossible. There is no wrinkle upon God's brow of eternity. He's altogether uninfluenced by the flight of time. He and only he can declare that I am semper idem. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And all God is today, he ever has been and ever shall be. Meaning this, his power is undiminished. His wisdom is unabated. His veracity is immutable. His love is unsullied. His grace is sufficient. His mercy suits our case. That's the Jehovah that he's talking about. I get excited when I talk about who he is. Because when you think about who he is, it ain't long before you got to think about what he's done. And when you think about who he is and what he's done, the joy bells start ringing down in your soul. I'm sorry. Let me hurry up and get back in here. Look. So he says this is the day. This is the season that the Lord. That Jehovah, Yahweh, has made. There's another little familiar word that most of us skip right over, that he has made. Well, it's the word asa. Um, asa means to work, to labor, to create, to construct. This is the day, the season that Yahweh has constructed, um, that he has created, that he has built. But it, but it actually goes a little further than just to make something. Um, it's also to fashion or to refine what has already been made. Y'all ain't get that, did you? So this, this, this thing has been made, but over time, um, you, you got to, do all this to it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta tighten screws and make sure it can still do what it was designed to do. Um, and so it's been made, but but sometimes has to be refined. Um, this is the day, the time, the season that Jehovah has created and then reshaped and repurposed and. And, and, and reconstructed 
Um, some of us have been reconstructed. You, you, you were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, but then here comes Jesus, covers you in his blood, and makes you into something wonderful and beautiful. That's because every day, because of sanctification, you've already been made, and the reason you know you've been made is because you sit here. God took uh, 206 bones and put them together in your body like a jigsaw puzzle, and then took ligaments and locked them around the bones, and then he took the subjacent, superjacent muscles and fused them around the ligaments, and then he took the arterial and the venous systems and fused them inside the body. And then he took the dermis and the epidermis and the cutis and put that around your body and called it skin. And then he put this little tiny thing in you called DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid, so that you would never have to think you need to be like me and I never have to think I need to be like you. And then he took your head and put your head as a control center on the top of your body. And he put the brain in the head, the mind in the brain, intellect in the mind, and reason and intellect and common sense and reason. And then after he did all of that, he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and we became a living soul. Now, why do I say all of that? Because he made us, but over time, we got to be refined by him because we are all still born in sin. And, and, and so this is the day, this is the seasons that the Lord has asah, that he has made and that he is fashioning and, and refining that he has, what he has already made. Now, he also says this, we will rejoice. There's another little word that we kind of skip over because we think we know what it means. We will rejoice. You know what that actually means? It means to spin around. It, mean, it means to be under the influence of a violent emotion. It's a I can't contain myself kind of thing. I'm so glad. I got so much joy. I rejoice so much. I'm so joyful based on what God has done in me and through me and for me that when I think about the goodness of Jesus, I get a bad case of I just can't help myself and I can't keep my seat. Sometimes I got to get up. Sometimes I got to run. Sometimes I got to rock back and forth. Sometimes my emotions are going crazy all on the inside of me. This is the day the Lord has made and we shall rejoice. But there's more to this little thing called rejoicing. So, so rejoice in, in Hebrew is what, what we call in seminary. It's, called, it's written in what's called the cow stem, um, Q, Q-A-L, the cow stem. And, and the cow stem is, is so interesting. It, it, the basic verbal stem in Hebrew has at least two meanings, all right? And, and the scholars don't know which meaning is applied to the text. They, they really like for the text to declare which one is in play. Y'all follow that? All right, so, so but, but rejoice is in the cow stem in Hebrew has two specific meanings, both verbs. So the, verse, the first one um, is that it is an action, talking about the word rejoice. So, so if it's a verb, I am rejoicing. That's, that's how a verb functions. Y'all with me? But the second one is a state of being. So the first one is is an action. I am rejoicing. The second one is a state of being. I am joyful. So I might not be moving at all. I might just be sitting here at the moment, and I'm joyful. That's why you can't judge people, because you don't know what the Lord is doing to somebody on the inside. Just because somebody ain't stomping their feet and jumping up and down and running up and down aisles don't mean they ain't joyful. Do I have a witness? All right, so, so the first one is a verb. It's an action. It's, it's I am rejoicing. Um, and, the, and sometimes you can sit there and just rock back and forth and be rejoicing. That's why you don't let anybody define how you express your thanksgiving to God. 
That's between you and God and between what God is doing inside of you. And that's why those of us that lead praise and worship should not be trying to make people rejoice based on what our understanding is, because you don't know what I've been through, and I don't know what you've been through. Let me rejoice, and I'll let you rejoice. I wish I had some with me. And so the verb, the action is I am rejoicing, but the state of being is that I am joyful. So I am rejoicing, verb, something I'm doing. Or I'm joyful, something that I am. So the idea is that I just keep on rejoicing because I'm always joyful. I don't know if y'all follow. I said you got to combine the two because we don't know which one is being applied to the text. But as I read the text, both of them work pretty good as far as I can see. I just keep on rejoicing because I'm always joyful. Or if you want to flip it, I'm always joyful because no matter what's happening, I keep on rejoicing. It's too deep for y'all. Look, that, that means in good times, in bad times, in confusing times, in strange times, in pandemics, in epidemics, in tragedies, in racial and civil unrest, in political turmoil, in personal struggles, in family problems, in marriage issues, in financial pressure, and issues on the job, and in your trauma, your depression, your sickness, your addiction, your hopelessness. That even in times when you've got grief and despair and you're feeling unappreciated or feeling unloved, feeling trapped or stuck or targeted, your career all. You got a degree, but you can't find a job. It doesn't matter what's going on around you because this rejoice, this joyfulness is on the inside of you. So here's the thing, though. It's already there when you get saved. God gives you the ability to have joy that is not in any way controlled by what's going on around you because joy is about what's happening inside of you. But here's the thing. It's not automatic, meaning it ain't easy. Why? Because life just keeps coming at us. Maybe not down here in Delaware, but in West Philly, life just keeps coming at us. You won't always feel joyful. You won't always feel happy. You won't always feel like celebrating. You won't always feel a shout in your spirit. Life will not always want you to be joyful. Life will not always want you to rejoice. You're going to have plenty of days when you just ain't feeling it. I'll be the first one to testify. Sunday morning rolls around, and there are plenty of Sunday mornings when I don't feel like going to nobody's church not even the one I'm supposed to be at. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like church folk. I don't feel like questions. I don't feel like problems. I don't feel like issues. I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like teaching. I don't feel like explaining. I just want to stay home and be to myself because I ain't feeling it today. And don't y'all look at me strange because all of y'all have them kind of days, and the only difference between me and you is that I still got to show up because I'm on the preach and you're not. Y'all get to just... Turn over and pull the covers over your head. So it's not automatic. But those are the days, those are the seasons, those are the times when you have to be intentional about holding on to your joy. You got to get aggressive about holding on to your joy. It's something you have to fight to hold on to because some situations and some people 
will steal your joy. Toxic people on the job, toxic people in your own family that have your DNA and your last name, toxic people who actually go to the same church as you and sometimes sit next to you, toxic people, neighbors, TV shows, strangers, tempting places and spaces, thinking poorly on your own. Now, the text says, let us or we will. Why? Because we have to be intentional. This is the day, the season, the time that the Lord has made, refined, constructed, refined. We will rejoice. Let us rejoice. We will rejoice. Now, depending on what version of the Bible you use, you'll see one of those variations. Uh, New Revised Standard, New American Standard, NIV, CSB um, says, let us rejoice. If you're reading the New Living, King James, Modern English, New King James, it says, we will. All right? Um, let us or we will both indicate something that we have to do ourselves. Ain't nobody going to do it for you. You're going to have to hold on to your joy by yourself. It will not happen automatically. It won't just come to us. In fact, it runs from us. The enemy wants us to be constantly down and discouraged and depressed. John 10.10 says that the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. My purpose, Jesus says, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. It's something we have to be determined to pursue. It's a choice. It is a decision that all of us have to make. The enemy wants us to be constantly down and discouraged. That's why Paul later in New Testament, Philippians 4, he would say when dealing with conflict between two women in the church, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That's why he would say in Romans 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. Peter would say, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, is walking around seeking whom he may devour. James would say, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, count it all joy. Consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has to change and grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. You're going to have to fight to hold on to your joy. So this is the day, this is the seasons that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. We will rejoice. And it says, and be glad in it. And that just simply means you need to brighten up. That's what glad actually means. It, it literally means to brighten up. Because some of us can sit up in church and look like we just mad at the world. Look like we just upset that we came today. Just mad. Whatever happened outside, leave it outside. Whatever happened at home, leave it at home. Whatever argument y'all had in the car, and y'all trying to sit here and act like you didn't argue in the car so that we don't know your business, leave that in the car. When you get in here, you got to rejoice. You got to be glad. You got to show that you got some joy. It means to cheer up. It means to be glad. It means to brighten up. And guess what? Your joy is based on who you have in you, not who's around you. That's why the old folks sang the song, this joy I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Now, the reason we can all be joyful and be rejoicing and glad no matter what a day will bring is because Jehovah, Yahweh, the great I am, he who always is and always shall be, 
is the one who made the day. All right, let me help you here. So the Lord took a day. He took a few hours. He took a season. He took a period of time and formed it, shaped it, fashioned it around you. Y'all didn't get that. I said he took a day, a season, a moment, a point in time. No matter what you're going through in your day, moment, or season, he, what the Lord did was he, he, took, he took it and, and formed that day and fashioned it around you and whatever you're dealing with. So that whatever is happening, whatever happens in your day, in your season, in your time, the Lord already knows about it because it's the day he made. And since he made it, please, if you don't hear nothing else I say today, since he made it, there is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing that can happen or will happen to you. I don't think y'all listening. There is nothing that can happen. There is nothing that will happen to you along the course of that day or season or moment, whether it's good or bad, that A, he didn't already know about, and B, that God can't make, told you I'd come back to this idea, that, that he didn't shape, fashion, mold, refine around you so that whatever you're dealing with, it would benefit you. So whatever a day brings into your life, you just got to know that God has you and your times and that day and that season in his hands. He formed and fashioned the day so that whatever the day brings, you'll be all right because God has it and you in the palm of his hand. This is the day that the Lord has made. And that's why you can rejoice. Because either way, you're going to be all right. You're a child of God. It doesn't matter what a day brings. It doesn't matter what a season brings. Because it is indeed the day that the Lord has made. And everything the Lord makes is always good. We already know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And that means that God can use your good days and your bad days to benefit you if you give him a chance. Every now and then, we all got to travel through some tough seasons, dark days, but guess what? It's still the day. We got to go through some painful days, but guess what? Y'all slowly catching on here. It's, it's still the day. Every now and then, we got to go through some unusual days, but it is it's still the day. Every now and then, we got to go through some long days and some frightening days and some weary days, but it is still the day that the Lord has made. And even that day when Jesus went to Calvary to die for our sin and then raise up again three days later, all of those days were days that the Lord has made. In fact, he leaves us an example in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we all, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How are we going to do that? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, 
for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You can deal whatever life brings you if you got the joy of the Lord inside of you. Whatever a day brings, the Lord is able for you to use it for your betterment and for your improvement. May not always feel good, but God ain't never promised you everything was going to feel good. I've had some good days. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days, and we've all had some sleepless nights. But when we look around and when we think things over, listen, all of our good days outweigh our bad days, and therefore we don't need to be complaining. Sometimes the clouds hang low, and we can hardly see the road. We ask the question, Lord, why so much pain? But he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for you. So we just need to say, thank you. Lord, and stop all that complaining. Why? Because he's just been good to us. More than this whole world or you could ever be. He's been good. He dries all of our tears from our eyes. He turns our midnights into day so that we just need to say thank you, Lord, and we won't complain. So I can't speak for nobody but Damon Jones, but I will tell you this. Until that day when the Lord comes back to take us home, I plan to keep on living. Season by season, moment by moment, day by day. And no matter what a day brings, I'm going to hold on to my joy. For this joy I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Because can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Because he's my friend, and greater love has no one than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And I'm glad he laid down his life for me. But I'm also glad that bright and early that third day morning, he rose from the grave, putting eternity within my reach. And right now, he walks with me and he talks with me and tells me that I'm his own and the joy that that we share as we tarry there none other has ever known I just stopped by here all the way down here in Delaware from West Philly to tell you that this is still the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it do I have a witness in here today do I have a witness in here today do I have a witness in here today